Let's tell them the bad news. Well, oh, there's bad news? Obsessed Fest is happening year two, and we can't go. Oh, right. But you guys have a great time. Yeah. You guys have a great yeah, time. Yeah, have a cocktail for us. Yeah, toast to our memory. We're not going to be there. Where are we going to be, Joey? We'll say it together. We're going to be in Disney Sir World. Disneyland World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would never miss Obsessed Fest Year 2. Y'all, Obsessed Fest Year 2, it's officially happening. And it's happening October 20th through the 22nd in Dallas, Texas. Tickets are on sale right now at ObsessedFest.com. So here's what. We've officially partnered with Omni Hotel. It's all connected to the convention center. You don't have to leave. You don't have to see daylight for days. We're staying there. The guests will be staying there. You're going to run into Joey in the elevator. Someone's going to corner him and be inappropriate. I promise you. But if you're not there, you're going to miss it. (laughs) Joke's on you. My neighbor does it to me every single day. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, Obsessed Fest is a true crime podcast convention that includes live shows. Meet and greets. Games. Karaoke. And one big epic drag brunch. So if you want to see what a blast we had last year, follow the Obsessed Fest Instagram account at Obsessed Fest. And go ahead and visit ObsessedFest.com to get your tickets and hotel rooms now for Obsessed Fest Year 2. Happening in Dallas, Texas from October 20th to October 22nd. Can't wait to see you. We can't wait to squeeze your faces. What? What? Y'all, yesterday Ellen was moving to her new home, and I get a FaceTime call. And I no, 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 no. Let me preface this by saying, all day long, I was saying they were asking a lot of personal questions. I think it was a cultural barrier. Well, they asked me questions, too, when I came over. Right, and they were asking me a lot of questions. We had been in communication that I was feeling a little uneasy. Continue. And then I get a FaceTime call, and I answer. I'm like, hi. Like, hi, honey. Uh, Sorry I missed your call. And then I go, I didn't call you. What are you talking about? I didn't call you. Your damn bitch (laughs) certification is revoked. (laughs) Hi, down bitches. Hi, I'm a terrible down bitch. I said hi, down bitches. That did not include you. I know. You're right. I deserve this. Hi, down bitches. Hi, Joey. I didn't know this is how you wanted to go out. Listen, let me tell you something. I I did say in my defense... I don't think that way. You know what I mean? And that is a testament to my privilege because I've never had to think that way. Because I'm a man walking the planet. I've never had to think that way. But it is funny because you are very, very overprotective of me. And when I got off the call with you, Nick was like, oh, you in trouble now. (laughs) You are in trouble. I was like, if this bitch ends up doing a podcast about me, I will haunt you. Down bitches, we are here and we are here on our last episode. I... We'll say my goodbyes and say some things at the end because I, I don't really want to cry through this episode. But it's not really a goodbye. It's uh see you again soon yeah. because we'll see you next week. Yeah, but it's still closing a chapter. Let me have this. Oh, you can have it. But there were some people who were like, is the oh, show yeah. ending? I'm like, the show is not ending. No, we are still here. We have a couple more surprises through the end of the year. But just don't forget on your holidays, on your drives, while you're driving to go see your family, while you're on a plane, while you want to tune out your family... Why don't you join our Patreon? It's what we call the Drama Club. We have over 100 back episodes that you can listen to, including if you missed that other woman. What was her name? Beelzebub? Yes, she used to go here. But then we hired a priest. We shook some sage in the air. She's no longer with us in this booth. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you, Patrick. But you go ahead and tell them. What was the things you did with that other woman? Are uh, you okay? Uh, we did snaps. See no evil. <laughs> Who the bleep did I marry? Evil lives here. Anyway, if you just want some more of us in your ears over the holiday season, holidays is my favorite time of the year. We would love to join you. But until then... Here is our last episode of Disappeared, and I will I will get in my feelings later. So yeah. you can stay tuned, or you don't have to. What am I, the police? No, I'm not. Anyway. Sometimes you act like a cop. <laughs> Season 9, episode 13, Date with Danger, tells the story of the disappearance of Nancy Moyer. A dad drops by his estranged wife's house with their daughters, but she's nowhere in sight. I couldn't find anybody who had heard from her. All of her possessions have been left behind. And then from that time period on, we don't have any account of her. As they race to find her, detectives uncover secrets from her private life. Sometimes people go missing because they want to go missing. Including a mysterious entanglement. How would he not be able to remember what type of relationship he had? while her loved ones desperately yearn for answers. Is she dead? Is she in some guy's basement being tortured? Nancy, please give me some kind of a clue that will help me figure out where you're at. So here we are. It's March 2009. We are in Tanino, Washington, which is a small town right outside of Olympia. And we hear about 36-year-old Nancy Moyer, who is getting her daughters Amanda and Samantha ready for school. And daughter Samantha's here. And do you know who she looks like? Who? Christina Ricci. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to say the girl from Teen Witch. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I can't think of her name. Also, do you know that I'm a huge Christina Ricci fan? Uh, I mean, I could see that. Is it because she played Wednesday Adams and you think you're an Adams? It's a, it could be a possible reason, but we're the same age. We're only a day apart. I feel like I grew up with her, watching her in like in every movie and also... She got to do what every 14-year-old gay boy wanted to do in 1995, and that have was- Have sex with River Phoenix? She didn't have sex with River Phoenix. I don't know. I just thought that's what all boys wanted to do in 1995. No, she got to kiss and dance Devin Sawa in Casper. Okay. When you're an Adam. <laughs> my mom was really devoted to me and my sister, and she always took, like, great care of us. She tried to make the holidays special, the birthdays and made sure that we saw every member of our family as much as we could. So Samantha is here. I don't think we've ever had a talking head this young. No. She's so precious. She is very young. and She's so adorable, very well-spoken. Yes. I mean, and she very much is wanted to speak about her mom. I thought that was very sweet. Yeah. And she says, like, my mom, she was very devoted. She made every event in our lives special. Yeah. Nancy grew up in the nearby city of Olympia, in high school, she was popular with nearly every clique. Nancy was the type of person that could get along with anybody. She really had a talent. Everybody seemed to have a story about her kindness. So we get a little backstory on Nancy. She was from Olympia, and she was popular, and her childhood best friend is here, Erica, and just said, you know, she was kind to everyone. Everyone liked her. She went to Central Washington University and majored in accounting, which is numbers. Not, yeah, not, not our strong suit. So many numbers. Uh -huh. And while she was at school, she was interning for an agricultural company. I don't 
don't know why I'm always immediately so adamantly opposed to interning. Well, because a lot of times they don't make money. I, I know they don't. And I feel you like mean our, for you or in general, no, you have a problem? General, I feel like our generation was like the start of that. I just think it's like a pointless way to do regular entry level work and the company get away with not paying people. Oh, absolutely. It's like, well, you it's a privilege to be here. Well, no. no, no. Yeah. The workforce bamboozled you into thinking yep. it was like a privilege to get you coffee, Dale. Yeah. Like, I don't oh, know. It's a, it's, no, it's a privilege for me to do your numbers for free, Barbara. Exactly. It's like the biggest punk the business industry has ever pulled was interning. You know, it's quickly going away now. Is because, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, Gen Z's not going to like, up with not, that I'm shit. Not, Only millennials yeah. will be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it for free. <laughs> Can I wash your car? Yeah. One summer, while interning for an agricultural company, Nancy met 24-year-old Bill Moyer. Just one of those things where you get to meet the new person and find out we went to the same gym and we'd talk at the gym and and that led to dating. While she was interning, she met 24-year-old Bill Moyer. Oh, he is such a sweet, sweet man. He is such a sweet baby. He is here. So they dated and after they graduated, you know, like many Americans, they took the next logical step, which was marriage. Yeah, and then they had kids. Yeah, well, did you see their wedding photo? Their sweet wedding photo? It was very sweet. It was. Did you see their beaming smiles? Did you see what Nancy had? What? Waterfall flowers. Waterfall. She had waterfall Beautiful. flowers. She had poofy sleeves, uh-huh. a satin dress, and waterfall flowers. What do you think she was going to have a wedding without waterfall flowers? Of course not. I'm sure she had a beautiful white limousine yeah. with the red velvet interior. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, she was like, two things I want. Waterfall flowers, <laughs> poofy sleeves, and a chocolate fountain if you can find yeah. it. God forbid I don't have a chocolate fountain at my wedding. Enjoy the salmon. Thank you. It was a recommendation by my friend, Tony. I, he knew a guy. And she gets a really prestigious job. She becomes a fiscal, I'm reading this, a fiscal analyst for the State Department of Ecology. All that, kinds of jobs. So, what's that, I don't wonder? Know. Look at that. What do you do? Like, what, what does your day consist of? What do you do? You know what my day consists of? Uh-huh. Nothing to do with math. Yeah. Not nary a number in this mind. Yeah. And we learned that Nancy became really close to the people that she worked with, especially Bev Poston. Yeah. And they said, listen, they were so happy. Bev also says, like, you know, all she wanted to do was get married and have a family. Right. And it was something Nancy had always dreamt of. And her coworkers loved her and supported her. And, you know, Bill and Nancy both said, our priority, though, is family. Yeah. Then best friend Erica says this. She had it all together, a perfect life, a perfect husband. Everything just seemed wonderful. Y'all, we have been here nine entire complete seasons. Yeah. Nobody's life is perfect. Think of the person that you think in your life, you're like, they have a perfect family. I have someone we might have the same person. Does everyone have that person in their head? Okay. Yesterday, they got pee-pee on their shoes. They did. And yet they had to throw out the shoe. It was too much pee-pee. Nobody's perfect. That's what happens. Perfection is not a real what thing. What is that? It's just a little bit of pee-pee. <laughs> Your house what? is so beautiful. Mike, is that... Are those crystal? Is that a crystal chandelier? Is that champagne? Is that pee? It's pee pee. It's, it's a little pee. Why is the word pee pee so funny? <laughs> but friends say there were cracks in that perfect life. It appeared that marrying so young had a downside for Nancy. Here's the other thing to keep in mind is like, Nancy didn't really get to have the college experience. Right. She was always very career focused school-focused, family-focused, you know, she didn't really get to party and, like, 
do what we all did. Yeah. We are all out here in these streets making the best decisions in the moment that we possibly can. But when you look back and you're like, wow, I've been I've been locked down on this for a minute. You know, she started to wonder. The point being, she was starting to think about, you know, being single. And if you want to be single, go get those experiences. Go off. You will probably catch an STD. That is that is just factual. Fingers crossed. You get one that you just take a pill for. Yeah. And also, like, listen, everybody deserves the chance to go out and make bad decisions. Yeah. Some people want to go out and party and make out with a guy who maybe just barfed at 2 a.m., other people are sitting in their bed, stoned out of their mind, buying Gap's knockoff scents. Yeah, which you did. Which I did. Y'all, Joey <laughs> came up to me the other day and goes, smell me, what is this? And you know I exaggerate, but this is no exaggeration. I went, <laughs> Gap dream. And you, it's so fast, but yeah. wait a minute. Is that knockoff grass? Knockoff heaven? It's heaven mixed with a little bit of Hugo Boss. Yeah, but did you work there? No, you. Oh, he got fired. Anyway. <laughs> Drifting apart over 11 years of marriage, Nancy and Bill finally separated in 2007. But the split, though final, was so amicable that the two never pursued a legal divorce. After 11 years of marriage, they start to to drift apart, which is okay and natural. Totally. And in 2007, they separated, and it was totally amicable. They were like, hey, you know what? I wanted this at one point in my life, and now I don't, but I still think you're great. Is that cool? Can we, is that, I just, I thought I wanted this, and I don't. Yeah, I mean, it was so amicable Yeah, that they didn't file for divorce. Yeah, well, getting a divorce is fucking expensive. I like, mean, I mean, they just kind of left it, and they're like, we don't need to finalize this on paper. Meanwhile, I mean, when you were like, we're getting a divorce, you're like, okay. <laughs> you ran to the courthouse, and you were like that lady's, remember the Mervyn's commercials, when she's like, open, 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 open. open. Yeah, <laughs> that was you at the court, <laughs> the courthouse. I was like, wait a minute, there are people <laughs> here who don't like courts? Say more. <laughs> what do you do all day? Literally, you walk into the Jersey courthouse, and they're like, hey, Hey, Ellen. Yeah. Hey, Marge. How's yeah. the kids? How are you? Did you get the hip replacement? <laughs> but you, you're walking straight. Yeah. Great. Give me that peach pie cobbler recipe when you get second. <laughs> we definitely very consciously made the decision up front that the kids would still be first. And that was first and foremost in all of our decision making. There's really very little disagreements or very little fighting as to how that would happen. I know that she greatly admired Bill being a hands-on dad. And I know that she wanted the best for her kids. They knew what had happened in their marriage and Nancy knew Bill was a good dad and knew he was like a good guy. So there was like ease in taking care of their kids, which is great. I support it. And listen, Nancy, after a while, she started to enjoy her freedom as she should. Maybe she got some tats. Yeah. She started going out on the weekends because, you know, Bill had the kids on Friday and Saturday night. So why wouldn't she? Yeah. She got a bunch of tattoos. She got seven tattoos. They're like chips, right? You don't have any tattoos. It's very weird that you don't have a tattoo. Wait a minute. It's so funny that you brought that up because I've been telling Nick over the past month that I'm like, I think I really want a tattoo. I love tattoos. How many tattoos do you have? I have two, but I i mean, I would have more and I love people with tattoos. I mean, yeah. and I love tattoos artistry. I yeah. love looking at tattoos and being like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's I could stare remarkable. at Maggie Freeling all day. Yeah. Oh, day. I love tattoos. Yeah. But she got a bunch like right in a row, but tattoos are like that. It's like, I could do this again. Yeah. You know? But the truth is this, okay? Nancy was pretty private. No one really knew how much she was going out. Remember, she married young. She didn't really have the chance to do all this. But I will say, Nancy, you did make a mistake that none of us should make. 
you dated colleagues at work. <gasps> right. Y'all never yeah. do that because when you do butt stuff with Mark from HR and it's <laughs> terrible, chances are things are going to get awkward when you cross paths at the water cooler. Yeah, because I was with her in kind of her spreading her wings and getting a little yeah. sassy and feeling your, you know, feeling sexy again. I mean, it is yeah. something that like, you know, when you're a mom, your body, you know, stops being your own for a little sure. bit. You turn into like, a, you know, a milk factory. You don't feel great. You're exhausted. Your hormones are out of control. And, you know, it took a minute for Stella to get her groove back. Oh, absolutely. All I'm saying is don't do butt no. stuff with Felix in the mailroom. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. So I was with her there. And then when they told us that she was like kind of doing stuff with people at work, I was like, no, I know Brandon from accounting is super hot, but don't touch his ding <laughs> I mean, I've done it. We've all done it. Yeah. On this Friday night, she was driven home by her friend Matthew at 5.30, and they carpooled. So this was totally normal. He worked at the Department of Ecology with her. And this relationship was not sexual. No, they were buddies. They were. It was totally brother and sister. So he drops her off, and she's like... Bill has the girls, and I'm actually just going to relax this weekend. You know, it's like you get to that age where you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do nothing. It's the best. But do you actually do nothing? Sometimes. It's harder for me lately. But during the pandemic, I did sometimes. Yeah. Every once in a while. But, like, she was, like, kind of excited to do nothing. And that that is something she would have told Matthew. She would have said, I have a date or I'm going to do this or whatever. Later that evening, Nancy runs out to the local grocery store for a bottle of wine and some other provisions. And in this little town, nearly everybody knows where you are and what you're doing. Remember, this is a small town where everybody knows you and everyone watches you. My worst fear. Don't talk to me at the Kroger. Yeah. Don't approach me. Yeah. Don't talk to me at the Kroger. Let me buy. You give people mixed messages because you tell people, like, don't look at me, don't talk to me, don't touch me. And then you, like, bear hug them at Obsessed Fest. So people are going to be like, which Julia oh, no, am that's I getting fine. Today? But I'm talking about if you lived in a small town and you see, oh. Uh, this is your small town drama coming through. Yes. Well, I didn't live in a small town, but I'm saying, but if you see old, you know, Bethy. Yeah. Bethy. You see, well, you, well, we'll go with Bethy. You see old Bethy every day. She's like, hey, how you doing? How's your family? How's your cat? How's it? Did you get your Verizon? I'm like, how do you know this? Stop talking to me. But no, hug right. me at Obsessed Fest. Right. No. I, I saw a DB last night at Natalie Joy Johnson's show. Stop it. Yeah, she came and hugged me. It was great. How did she, how, how, would, how did she know Natalie? She was like, this was a great intersection. It, it was wonderful. Oh. Except I was stoned out of my mind. I'm like, please don't say anything dumb, Joey. Oh, okay. It was wonderful. Well, I'm glad you didn't. So there was an officer that was working radar, and basically he was running that radar in that area. He saw who he believed was Nancy returning from the store where she had some bags and went into her house. There was this officer that was working like his radar guns, but he said he definitely saw Nancy going into her house that night with grocery bags. And so once inside, what we know is Nancy, you know, cracked open a bottle of wine and she chills. So two days later, it's Sunday, and Bill arrives at Nancy's with the two girls. Yeah, and the front door was open a little bit. They're like, weird, hello, Nancy, Mom, anyone there? And no one's there. So little Samantha is here, and she's basically explaining, oh, we didn't worry, like, thought maybe she went for a walk, she didn't close the door, the door blew open. There's a logical explanation. Yeah. So Bill tries to call her cell phone. It starts ringing, but it's ringing inside the house. Yeah. And then it turns out she didn't take her phone. She didn't take her purse. 
Also, Bill says she never went anywhere without her phone. Yeah. And she didn't take her car keys. So Bill is like, something is wrong. Yeah. So he starts calling people. Have you heard from Nancy? This is super out of character. Little Samantha says, you know, she was confused. Where is she? And so they wait a couple hours. They do all the normal things, the calling, all the stuff. And then naturally, Bill brings the girls back to his house to wait a little bit. Yeah. No one hears from her, and the next morning, no one still had heard from her. Yeah, she doesn't show up to work, and that is something Nancy never did. They said she never missed a day of work. Yeah, and if she was late, even like five, ten minutes, she was calling. Yeah. So they end up calling the police. Bill calls the police. Right. And the Tenino Police Department starts a missing person investigation pretty quickly. Yeah, and they get the county involved. They're taking it really Really seriously. Now, the detective who's telling us about the start of this is giving the interview in the car, which actually isn't abnormal. We've seen that a couple times. But he is driving while he's talking to the interviewer and the camera. He took an on-camera class where he learned that the way to connect with your audience is to look into the camera. And he took heed to that. He He was taking that very seriously. He's like, because every time I was like, sir, eyes on the road. (laughs) You are driving a vehicle. He's like, did I ever tell you about the time that I, you know. No, no, we're not doing that today. He, well, he, I mean, he was implementing all of those online acting classes. Now's not the time. scaring the bejesus out of me, yes. Can I tell you something? What? You scare the bejesus out of me when I'm in a car with you. I do. Yesterday, like real, is it, is I it, had to, I had to hold on to the, you know, what is it, the oh shit handle. Wait, is it because I get too close to the car in front of me? You drive, well, you drive like an angry Jersey person. Do I? Yes. You pull up right up to that bumper, and you're like, I'm just gonna scooch in one more. Every what? time we get in the car, he goes, Can you see the tires of the person in front of you? <laughs> well, can you? I didn't know that was a thing. It is. And now you do, and you're still doing it, scaring the shit out of me. Is it just that, or is it other things that I do? No, it's mainly that. I was having a stressful also, day. Yeah, yesterday. I know, I know. You scared me just a little bit when you drive. Okay, you can drive my car from but now on. But the thing is, is you're an excellent driver. Have you ever been in an accident? Well, I will be tonight, now that you just said that. Oh, God, no. Toy, toy. Oh. Anyway, I'll, I'll, work, I'll work on that. <laughs> Detective Dave Haller is assigned to the case and declares Nancy's house a crime scene. He obtains a search warrant for the property. I started looking for any signs of a struggle, any signs of uh, criminal activity at all. Dave Holler is the detective, and he makes the home a crime scene, and he says- Very quickly. Right, and he says the first thing they look for is the sign of a struggle or criminal activity, and this is where we learn the one thing that Nancy didn't have. What was that? A kicking vase. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm going to partner with- The minute I have free time, probably in like, you know, 2026, I'm going to partner with Target, and I'm going to make kicking vases. This is my pledge to you. You do it. Okay. I Um, promise I'll have free time in- Three to four years. So here's something that really we don't hear too much about. They find two wine glasses. Mm-hmm. One is empty and one has some wine left in it. And so they're like, all right, well, who is the other glass for? But there's no prince. You get out now. You get out now. The cat you find in a circus. Okay. Yeah, okay, they don't find any prints, but I was they just... They find Nancy's prints. Yeah, sorry, but they don't find another person's prints, and I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Why would there be two glasses out, a bottle of wine? Yeah, it's all very confusing. 
So they they go to her answering machine. She has like a landline answering machine throwback. And there's two messages from a man named Jim and said they had a date on Saturday night, which it's Friday night. And no one knows Jim. They're trying to figure out who he is. Nobody can, like, piece that together. So they're trying to figure out when Nancy possibly left the house. Now, I don't mean to correct you. Uh Uh-huh. But it wasn't talking about the date planned. He was asking her out on a date. Okay. So you didn't mean to correct me, but you did. I just want to be thorough. Uh Uh-huh. You're going to start now? Good point. So... We are thorough. That's a joke. So now Detective Dave is like, okay, I know how we can figure out when she left. This is actually pretty smart, this I thought. This is really smart. Really and the smart. the first time I've at least heard of it explained. Maybe it's something that they do, yeah. but it's the first time I've ever heard of it. Well, they got a hold of Nancy's electrical usage records. Mm-hmm. and Her utility bill, babe. Well, right. No, but... <laughs> electrical usage. But does, it, but does your utility tube. bill say, like, this is when it spiked. It spiked on this night and here. D- does it do all that? Yeah. For a daily breakdown? If they ask for it, yeah. It's all calculated. You have a meter. It's metered. And so they learned that it spiked on Friday night. Because if she left the door ajar, right, mm-hmm. and the heat is running and it's cold out, right. that would explain the spike. Right. So now he's determined that Nancy must have left Friday night or early Saturday morning. Right. And they get something else to corroborate you know, where she was and when. They find the receipt from the wine that she got from that grocery store. So they're kind of able to piece together this timeline. Yeah. And then they do go to that store. They ask around. They're like, have any of you seen this woman? Do you remember seeing this woman? And no one remembered. No one remembered. I mean, also the detective says that if people want to go missing, they're going to go missing. And after doing like over 100 episodes of this show, I feel like I would actually officially like people to stop assuming that and stop saying that. I hear that. Police research Nancy's credit card activity looking for any clue as to where she could be. And a secret intriguingly comes to the surface. This accountant hasn't been keeping on top of her own bills. It was uh, surprising to see how upside down she was with credit cards. She was deeply in debt. She was in um, 50 plus thousand in financial debt. They comb through her credit card bills and they notice she's in a bit of debt. She's in like $50,000 worth of debt. $50,000 plus. And it's nothing crazy. It is general spending, shopping, eating out. But it still is really confusing because like, you know, she makes okay money. So this is a big question mark. Was she scared? Was she running away from debt? Did she not want to tell anyone? But there's no indication anywhere that Nancy was preparing to leave. Right. So then they're like, all right, let's shift our focus. And then they speculate, well, did someone want to hurt Nancy? Right. And if so, why? And the first person they go to, of course, is the husband. Yeah. So Bill was like, I, Bill is really sweet. He's like really soft-spoken. And he's kind of like, can I skip these really personal questions and just take a poly? I understand you have to ask me. I'm the husband. I've seen true crime documentaries. It's not me. I want to satisfy all of your questions. So they put him through the ringer and they announced very publicly that he was not a suspect. And he was like, thank you. Now I can you know, focus on taking care of my little girls. So now they figure out that the last person to see Nancy was co-worker Matthew who brought her home from work. Mm-hmm. And so they ask Matthew. They're very pointed. They're like, was something more happening? And he's like, babe. We are just friends. I am married with kids. I can prove that I was home all weekend. 
And also their coworkers were like, that was not happening. Yeah. They were not involved. And nothing salacious at all was going on. Like, you know Holly Cantrell, how the people at work were like, I mean, she's got a boyfriend. And they, they kind of knew right. a lot more. Everyone was like, I mean, nothing... Everything tracks. She's a great mom. She's a great employee. She's a great friend. Nobody really had any further information to give to fill in the blanks of anything that could have gone the way that they were insinuating, which is that she left her life. Exactly. And also, Nancy was very private. Mm -hmm. Super private. Yeah. So, like... The people that Nancy was meeting on the weekends, and I want to say again, like, I don't want this to sound like I'm holding a judgment for it because I'm not. I'm like, live your best life. Also, if you want to keep work and your personal life extremely separate, do it, babe. Yeah. I support that. Yeah. But what it means is, is that no one really knew what she was up to. Yeah. And they, they didn't know details. Well, people's okay. names. I didn't really want to get into this because I, I did a lot of investigating on this. But there were a lot of people, I'll, I'll talk to you about some stuff later, that they were like, well, I mean, she was going out and having fun and not telling anybody, and how can we conduct our investigation unless we have tabs on what the little lady's doing? You know, if she's out there, you know, I don't, I'm just saying, if she's having drinks and kissing boys in the court. It was a little bit controlling, a little bit of like, it's a little Tara Grinstead slut shaming for oh. me. It was just kind of like they kept saying how she was going out. She was a young single mom, and they just kept bringing it up. And while I do realize that I take a lot of precautions when I go out, that's just me, you know? So they kept insinuating almost that it was like her fault that no one knew what was going on. How many times did they tell us she had a really private life? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, I, I didn't take it that way. It did feel to me like the cops were just being like, listen, we, we were trying, but there wasn't much to go off of. And yes. They I said she was very private, like, 13 times. They did. Yeah. They did. I mean, I, I didn't take it that I can understand what you're saying, yeah. though. For me, I just took it as like there were no crumbs. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was also just a different time. It was 2009. Right. Online dating wasn't like a really big thing. So that conversation wasn't she had an answering machine. Right. You know, so those conversations weren't really about taking precautions when you go out. So it just I don't know. I, I, no, I, actually, I hear you. I really didn't want to get into that, but I was like, well, you open the door, so I'm yeah. going to walk through. Anyway. So now they're thinking, like, could Nancy have taken a walk? Because she has trails near her. Right. And it, what, what if she got injured? So Nancy's coworker is a bunch of DBs, y'all. Yeah. They got together, and they started having search parties. Yeah. And Bev Poston was supposed to shoot this day, but it was Washington, and it was raining. <laughs> She's like, I have a huge umbrella. She's like, I still want to. Uh, let's go out with my umbrella. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, that is big. The sheriff's department was super grateful that Bev was doing their job for them. And they were like, <laughs> thank you so much. And they said, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing the search parties. Just make sure Nancy's family doesn't come with you. Yeah. That I understand. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't need to stumble across anything that would traumatize yeah. them. This is already traumatic enough. The sheriff's office also releases the story to the press, hoping that the exposure will reach someone who may have spotted Nancy. Because such a disappearance could have happened to any mom in the country, national news shows like Good Morning America run with the story. So now at this point, the police get the media involved. And Nancy's story makes national headlines, including a segment on Good Morning America. That's yeah. a huge fucking deal. Yeah. Because yeah. Good Morning America is usually like, we're going to tell you where you get the cheesiest pizza. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at this squirrel. <laughs> it's wearing a hat. <laughs> 
Do you see that, Craig? That's hilarious. <laughs> and coming up next, school students pray. They just pray. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. And next, Kelly Clarkson with her new Christmas album. <laughs> Have a Kelly Kelly Christmas. And coming up next, my dad still dead. <laughs> Don't miss our segment on What's Your Trauma? Oh, is this thing still on? So they go back to that guy, Jim, who left the messages on her phone. And the, again, okay, I'll pull at it. The investigator was like, we know she was having a lot of short-term relationships with a lot of different... It felt... Yeah, that... Yes. It was weird. It felt like he was trying to say the right thing and didn't know what to say. Yeah, I I do. I understand. I understand what they were saying. Again, they say she was really private about her sex life. And I was like, oh, your podcast partner doesn't out you with the young men that you happen to be having sex with during a lovely summer of fun? That's weird. People like to keep their lives private. I'm just saying. How uh, weird for Nancy. Oh, I didn't do that. Okay, that was the other one. That was the okay, other one. Got it. Um, well, and so. I like how you really had to go through the Rolodex, like, though. Did I do that? Yeah. I don't think I did. Okay, and the one thing about Nancy is this. She did have a rule that she stuck to, and that is she never brought men to her house. Same, honey. Honey, I don't blame you. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that we don't have in common about shitting where you eat and dating people at home. We share that rule. You're not coming into my house. Hell no. You're not coming into my space that I share with my kid. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right on, Nancy. Well, also men are gross. You men are disgusting. Yeah. You know that song, Mr. the Mr. Grinch song? What? It's really written about all men. You're rotten. Stinky men. Yeah. Stink. Stank. Stunk. That's men. <laughs> stink, stink, stunk. Oh. Put that on a t-shirt. Men. Stink, stink, stunk. <laughs> so. <laughs> All the men are going, hey. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Investigators know that Nancy had been dating men from both in and out of the office. The message left on her answering machine from a still unknown friend named Jim is just one indication of that. There was some indication that Nancy was probably out bar hopping and meeting guys and maybe having short-term sexual relationships with them. We didn't know who she was having sex with. Who, who do we have to interview? Who yeah. do we have? I mean, I know there's somewhere. There were there were men she was having. She was having sex with a lot of men. We don't know who they are. We know there were a lot of them. They were short-term. She wasn't looking to lock anything down, but we have no one to interview. So where does that leave us? I don't remember. Am I defensive? I think so, because I don't really remember them being like she had sex with a lot of men. They, okay, I'm going to go back and count it. I, I don't think it was I think, that. I think it's a little, it's a hybrid of me being defensive. But anyway, I'm just saying. Anyway, we're like, Nancy, we support you in all your decisions. I said she was your sister. Are there things that you girls share between you that you wouldn't share with anybody else? Nancy's sister doesn't recall anyone named Jim. But she does remember another man Nancy met at a bar, whom she had dated briefly before she went missing. Police canvass local establishments and soon learn the man's name, William. So detectives ask Nancy's sister, do you remember her saying anything about a man named Jim? And she's like, no, but I do remember something about a different man she met at a bar. And this was a man she dated briefly before she went missing. And his name was William. William is a sex offender. Registered sex offender. And so they interview him at the police station and he can verify the alibi. And he was like, also, um, I ended the relationship. I was like, um, that doesn't 
mean you're yeah. not a dick. Yeah, thanks, William. You're yeah. still a sex offender. It, you can choke. Yeah, but okay, okay, cool. Let us know that, like, I called it off. Yeah. Great. So now they go back to Nancy's work, and they ask her colleagues more questions. And it turns out that there was one coworker who seemed very nervous. And Detective Dave was like, yeah, those vibes weren't it. Yeah. And his name was Jim Roth. And so they decide to question Jim. him. Yeah. Remember that name, Jim, yeah. from the answering machine, y'all? Yeah. So... He was like, they questioned him, and he was like, "Yeah, uh, I wanted to go. I wanted to go out with her. We had like a, we had, we had, we had a few dates." And he also said that Nancy went to his place, and they were physical. And he noted that the night that she came over, he wasn't able to perform sexually, but she did sleep over. Yes, and he did say though that they did do other things, right? But they didn't have. You know, whatever the fuck that means. And yes, she spent the night. They woke up. He made her breakfast and she left. And Detective Dave says, "Okay, Jim, so where were you this Friday night? And Jim's like, you know, the night that she went missing. And he was like, I had my two boys over and I didn't leave them. Yeah. And Detective Dave is like, cool. Can I ask your kids that? And legally, you know, you have to have the parents permission. And he was like, no. He's like, cool, I'll just ask your ex-wife. Yeah. So he calls the ex-wife and the ex-wife was like, I mean, yeah, he had the kids and she was like, kids, was your dad with you the whole time? And he was. And the detective was like, can I speak to your boys directly? And the mom declined, which obviously you have to respect. I was like, I, I get that. I get that too. Totally. Absolutely. But turns out Jim's a bit of a chatterbox. Honey, y'all, investigators are basically like, okay, Jim, we got all we need. But Jim is a talker. Yeah. Jim is a yapper. And he's just flapping those gums until he says, oh, yeah, well, Saturday night after I didn't hear from her, I went over to her house just to see what was up. And I noticed her door was ajar. So I let myself in. What? What? He claims he saw the door partially open. Stepped in and called out to her. Nancy. But she wasn't around. I wonder why he'd do that. That is fucking weird. Yeah, and he, like, looked in the house. He looked in her bedroom. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool, guess you're not home. And then my question was, so why don't you call the cops? Yeah, if something was up. You saw, so we're to assume her home was in the same state that Bill found it in. Purse, keys, phone. He went and he looked in her room, and her door was open, and she wasn't there. So you're creepy, and you're irresponsible. It is very odd. Yeah. So now Christopher mentions for the second time that when Jim and Nancy tried to be intimate, he couldn't perform. I was like, okay, okay Christopher, we got, we got it. it. We got it. We got it. And then he says, well, no, 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 I had been to her house to pick her up for a date once. I just didn't go inside. Yeah. And they're like, cool. So then you just decided to like swing by everything you're saying that's coming out of your mouth is weird. It's very fucking weird. And then they're like, yeah, Jim, since you like to talk so much, could we hook you up to this here polygraph (laughs) machine and you go ahead and flap them gums? Yeah. Roth agrees to take a polygraph test. Do you? But the technician running it has a problem. I hope not. His vital signs are highly elevated overall. So his answers to even the most innocuous questions are coming across as lies. But the technician is like, bro, you need to calm the fuck down. His heart rate was so high that everything was coming up as a lie. What's your name? Jim? Yeah, lie! Yeah. What's your last name? Roth, lie! Yeah, literally. Did Dottie Henson drop the ball on purpose? Yes, lie! <laughs> 
she did. She dropped the ball. She dropped the ball on purpose. But that is what I would imagine I would be in a polygraph because I would be so nervous. Oh, same. But. The poly is pointless. Like nothing, it wasn't even able to be read because everything spiked. And they don't even have enough evidence to get a search warrant for Jim's car. Yeah, they can't do anything. I mean, you can't arrest someone for being weird. No. Or else there'd be a lot of fucking people in jail. I mean, I'm weird sometimes. Yeah. We've all been weird. Yeah. So the family's devastated. Poor daughter Samantha is just, she's just heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for all of them. And the case goes cold for like nearly a year and a half. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. Then on August 8th, 2010, not far from Nancy's residence, a meat delivery truck is pulled over by a deputy after a report was made. The officer saw the truck, made a U-turn, chased him down, got him stopped, saw the sleeping bag in the truck, in the cab of the truck, and sure enough, there was a deceased female in that sleeping bag. Well, whoever was the down bitch that trusted their gut and called in that meat delivery truck was spot fucking on because there was a man driving it and then like a sleeping bag in the passenger seat. And in that sleeping bag was a deceased 60-year-old woman by the name of Vonda Boone. And the guy who got pulled over, his name was Bernard Howell. He was like 27 years old, like young dude. Yeah, and so the city of Tonino is scared and they're wondering, wait a minute, could this murder be connected to Nancy's disappearance? Because Vonda Boone had been murdered on a running trail within a mile Mm -hmm. from Nancy's home. Yeah. Then, and this is fucking wild, investigators find meat that Bernard Howell sold Mm -hmm. in Nancy's freezer. Remember, that man drove a meat truck. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. So Bernard pleads guilty to murdering Vonda. Actually, he didn't plead guilty initially. Oh, he didn't? No, he denied the murder and said he was just trying to help out the family by disposing of the body. And then he was found guilty. Wow. Yeah. Well, he got 26 years and eight months in prison. So investigators are like, while you're in here, we have some questions for you. Right. And he wouldn't answer any of them. And they said, we know you sold me. We, we know. And he denies it. He says, I never met her. It's impossible. But not only did they find that meat, young daughter Samantha positively identified him as the person who came by and sold that meat. And also not in the episode, Nancy didn't eat red meat and steaks were found in the house. So it was all just really, really odd and so they had the meat samantha identified him but bro you still were never at her house and you don't know her he doubled down yeah he doubled down because this man only got 26 years yeah so there are when we cut to the end you're gonna find out there's two people in my mind that i suspect and it's not like he had life and should have just been like and also i killed nancy he only got 26 years he was gonna be released from prison when he was 54 years old right he had more life to leave. Absolutely. You know, so if, yeah. if he had done something to her, he most certainly was lying. Well, it left everyone involved extremely frustrated, especially the family. Right. Then, in January 2012, three years after Nancy disappeared, Detective Ben Elkins takes over the investigation. He delves into Nancy's disappearance with fresh eyes. I went to the case file and literally reviewed the whole case and read, read the reports, read the evidence, read the various statements. And then in January of 2013, three years after Nancy's disappearance, Detective Ben Elkins takes over the case. 
Right. And he reviews it and just looks at it with new eyes. And he re-interviews a bunch of people. And he's like, that Jim guy. That's a, he's a weird guy, right? Yeah. That's weird. Like, did we did we fully pull at all of those threads? And he's like, I'm going to go back and ask him a couple more questions. And thank God he did because old Jimbo has a totally different story. Yeah, several things. He originally said that he had performance challenges, and now he's saying, oh, yeah, no, we definitely had sex. Yeah. And Detective Ben is like, what? Yeah. That's confusing. Yeah, he's like, no, 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 no. we had sex. We had sex. We had good, we had good, we had good. Good, good, great, great, good. We had good, we had best sex. We had good sex. We had good, great sex. And uh, yeah, good sex. He was also confused because Nancy had tattoos, some of which were in very intimate places. And Jim couldn't really talk about it. Like he couldn't really, he didn't recall them or he couldn't describe them. I actually don't think that's that weird. Do you, I mean, like, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, I think that they were trying to be respectful. I think that I would remember if someone had a tattoo in a more a distinctive tattoo in a more intimate area. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Because you don't see it that, I've not seen it that much. If somebody has a tattoo just below their navel, somewhere in there, you're going to remember that. Yeah, I mean, I don't always remember the last names of people I have sex with, so it's okay. Four years after his statement to police, one person's story doesn't seem to add up. Jim Roth, the work colleague who said he had a fling with Nancy, and admitted to showing up at her house the weekend she went missing, makes a new statement that contradicts much of what he previously told police. They're like, okay, something is not adding up. He also says he didn't go to her house on Saturday. He went to his house on Friday. Mixing up days isn't really a crime, and it's not really out of the realm of possibility. Like Time had passed. Yeah. Well, either way, it doesn't matter, because they didn't have enough to hold him. Yeah. And there was Again, nothing that could be done. for being weird, you know? Yeah. So the family still has no answers. Daughter Samantha, sadly, she really struggled with depression after this. She also said that she struggled with suicidal thoughts. I mean, this poor yeah. angel not knowing. And also, you know, kids can be so mean. They make up stories. They gossip. And I'm sure all of that was swirling around her at a time when sometimes we need our parents the most. Yeah, Ugh. My heart just broke for her. Yeah. So in May of 2017, authorities reclassified Nancy's case from a missing person investigation to a no-body homicide because it would allow access to more resources for mm-hmm. the case. I thought that was very smart. Yeah, but do you know that oh, I, no. I read... Why always with the butts? The family didn't know until they watched the episode of Disappeared that that happened. Yeah. Wow. November 15, 2007, Jim Roth died from natural causes. Wherever Nancy is and whatever happened to her, those who loved her desperately want answers. Everybody would be so thankful if we found out some sort of information. If we knew what happened, then it would just bring so much clarity to us. 13 years, you know, later, this family is still clinging to hope. And, you know, I hope the girls have memories, at least, that they can hold close to their heart. So there's some weird updates in this case. Okay. Ten years later, a man that was Nancy's neighbor, who she also worked with, by the name of Eric Lee Roberts, was a 53-year-old man, and he confessed to killing Nancy while they were having rough sex. 
He called 911 and he said, I'm tired of holding it inside. And the detectives went to his home and said, well, I don't want to incriminate myself, but if I was going to get rid of a body and he like pointed to the fire pit and they didn't really find anything in the fire pit. They found a zipper to a jacket and a piece of like a fur jacket, but that went nowhere. Then he recanted his statements and there was no evidence to hold him. But his ex-girlfriend made a statement that said he did like choking during sex. And it kind of got a little a little out of hand sometimes. And then he said, I don't know why I confessed. I was on medication and it made me confess. That is wild. Yeah. And there were a lot of other things. You know, since I tugged at the thread in the middle of the episode... There were some really misogynistic statements made, and I really, really feel bad for the family, that were published online. It said how when they went through their house, Detective Haller was like, there were sex toys in her house, all kinds of them, and sex was a big reason why Nancy left her husband and all this. And she was out, this is a quote, she was out playing the field, she was out bar hopping, she was out drinking with friends and coworkers from work. When someone is doing that and they're not sharing it with anyone, the victimology when it comes to that is very difficult to retrace. Again, it was just a lot of like... Oh, so you read that knowing that throughout this... Okay, and I that... just I know, but I, I felt it through... The, I read it after I watched the episode. I guess I was giving them a benefit of the doubt, but those statements are highly inappropriate from them. And like, who fucking cares if she had sex toys in her house? Yeah. And that Eric Lee guy, I mean... Why would you confess to something so graphic and then just recant it? But this is still an open case. There is currently a $30,000 reward for anyone with information leading to Nancy's return. So if you have any information regarding Nancy Moyer's case, please reach out to the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-786-5279. Hide and Seek does a really in-depth podcast on Nancy's case. It's really sad, and I think that gym guy was so fucking... Why would you come to someone... Who comes... When was the last time you went to anyone's house unannounced? Never. Who goes to anyone's house, especially someone that you don't know well... And and you work with? And just like being like, hey, I was just going to see what you were doing. Nobody does that. Don't you ever show up at my house unannounced. Why would I do that? No, I just mean in ge- the world. Don't show up yeah. at my house unannounced unless you're prepared to be cussed the fuck out. Yeah. But I'm going to say a couple words before we go. Okay. We're leaving. I know. This is our last episode. Of Disappeared. We're not going anywhere, everybody. We're not going anywhere. Okay. But it is the closing of a chapter. Yeah. And I just kind of want to acknowledge that. How many, do you, When do you think I'm going to start crying? 10 seconds? Uh, 20 seconds? I don't know. I'm uncomfortable already, so okay. it doesn't matter. Well. I just want to say, you know, whether this is your first episode, this is your first episode. Hi. <laughs> whether it's, you know, your first episode or your hundred and first episode. I just want to thank you all for being here because I mean, we're here every week, but you all are the most valuable part of this equation because without you, we're just, you know, two knuckleheads screaming into microphones. And I just want to say I'm so excited to start something new. (laughs) I'm already getting choked up. New with you. Because, you know, Joey jumped into this world that Patrick and I created, and you jumped in headfirst, and you were just always authentically yourself. And 
you had to win over hearts and minds. You really, really did. And I always knew you would. But, you know, you were really graceful about it. And I know it wasn't easy. And, you know, I had to fight some urges to want to, you know, kick out some teeth. But, you know, some, <laughs> some people left and that's OK. But most people stayed because of you and how wonderful you are and how pure your heart is. And you allowed me to finish this series. And it's only thanks to you that we were able to get through. You're the sweetest. I love you so much. Also, I have to tell you that watching your vulnerability on the show and does this sound like we're just jerking each other off? <laughs> I don't mean it to sound like that. But, you know, watching how open you are with people and you already are a very open person, but you're open in a different way here. And it's it's very inspiring and it inspires me to do the same. And I always felt taken care of. I was nervous about replacing Patrick. I was nervous about the response. But, like, I knew I'd be okay because you were going to hold my hand through all of it. And you did. And then, like, everyone just sort of gave me the gift that I didn't know that I needed so badly, which was a space to just be myself Mm -hmm. without any judgment, without, I mean, I just get to be myself. I'm not playing another character. I'm not playing, I'm not playing anyone. I'm just doing me. What a gift that is to do it with my best friend and to be embraced for that. Yeah. No. And I think that, I think that's very important to recognize that we have shared a lot on this podcast yeah. and things that we've shared with only our closest friends. And that also is a testament to the listeners yeah. for giving us a safe space to share and supported us yeah. and allowed us the opportunity to just be us. I think that the people who've been here for a long time kind of heard the evolution of me and you through the seasons and how we became more and more authentically ourselves. But it's only through the compassion of our listeners that we were able to feel safe doing that and not, you know, putting on um, a show. I mean, you know, because this is, this is a wacky genre. You know, some people hear true crime with comedy said next to it and they don't even want to hear it. But I hope that the levity that we brought people you know, with making fun of accents or hot dudes in bad suits or you talking about, you know, my hot cougar summer. <laughs> it, it makes people listen to these kinds of stories that ordinarily wouldn't. I mean, I never thought I would have a job sitting across from, you know, two of my best friends at two different times in my life and laughing and crying. I never yeah. thought that that would be my job. So I just want to say to thank you to all the down bitches out there. For laughing and crying and yeah. supporting us and making us be better and do better. And even when you all disagree with us at times, which is okay, we all don't have to agree on every single thing all the time. And that's how we grow and that's how we learn by learning other things from other people. I have genuinely, genuinely learned so much from doing this podcast, from our listeners, just open my eyes to so many things. And also I'm like, oh, this is the community I I didn't know I needed. Yeah. I didn't know. And now I'm so like, I feel very blessed to have it and to be a part of it. I'm, I feel really like one lucky son of a bitch to be a DB surrounded by other DBs. So thank you all very much. I fucking adore you all. Uh, I'm, and I love you so much, Ellen. I love you. And, um, yeah, it's just been magical. I value, I valued all the conversations we've had around these cases. And I'll just leave you with this, that it is very weird doing a true crime comedy podcast. Uh Oh, <laughs> But we get so many messages 
from people that say um, something tragic happened in their life. Yeah. Maybe they lost a family member or a pet, and we were their first laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen the messages, or we've sat through chemo with people. Yeah. Or we've helped people through labor. Yeah. This is such a fucking weird, weird genre, you know, because it's so personal. And I just, I just want you all to know I never take that for granted. So I've learned so much. Stay safe. <laughs> yeah. Keep your body safe. Keep your mind safe. Keep your heart safe. Keep people close to you that keep you safe. Listen um, to your gut. Because you never know when the last time you might get to hug someone is. That's what I've learned from this podcast. Yeah, so it's true. Love a little harder. I yeah. love you. I love you too. Wait, say something funny. Oh, <laughs> now? Now no. say something funny. Now. Oh, <laughs> well, I think I deserve some recognition for my contributions to this podcast. And uh, no fucking, no fucking mention. I've been here since fucking episode four. You've been here since, I don't know, two fucking weeks ago? Well, skid over, honey. I'm taking a seat. Okay? <gasps> bow, 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 ba-da-dow, now, now. We love you, Dell We love you guys so much. We have, now this is our last disappeared episode, but we're going to have something taking you through the end of the season, but this is the closing of this series. We love you. We love you. Thank you so much. We have something very special coming for you. Don't worry. Join us on socials. We will see you there. Obsessed with Disappeared. Join us on the Patreon. And we will see you in Chicago or Nashville or Seattle or DC. DC. <laughs> we, I love you, Joey. Love you, too, Yellow Marsh. Love you, Joe Bitches. Love y'all. And they start asking friends and family, are you done? I already said that. Oh, you did. Sorry. What did you say? I have to pinpoint when she leaves, when she left the house. Mm-hmm. So Detective Dave is like, I know how we can figure out. I'm listening. I'm so glad a new house has made you so warm and kind and understanding. <laughs> oh, darling, I just even have a little pee-pee on my shoe. Oh, no, yeah. dear. This is a little pee-pee. <laughs> We're having the most wonderful day. And to look at this little pee-pee on my Back when I had a dad. A Back skim. to my trauma. Anyway. Um, did I tell my dad died this year? Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so... Um, yeah, you know. Yep, yep, yep. Are you done? I'm good. Okay. You better than me. You old patchouli hippie. <laughs> Detective David Holler is the... Holler! Is the... <laughs> I can't help it. Don't do that. This detective will make you holler! Get out. Get out of this booth. Are you going to quit the podcast now? <laughs> oh, God. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> David Holler is. <laughs> <laughs>